One of the things we get asked the most questions about, I think, is probably feeding. All of parenting is individual, but perhaps nothing more so than our journeys with feeding. Even within a family, each baby is often likely to be different. We can, of course, share our expertise and our experience, but it's these differences that make it really important to us to answer your questions. This is the second of our listener question episodes, and this one is all about feeding. Feeding is personal, but it can also be polarizing, and that's something we are totally not here for, to be honest. We've posted some listener questions on our socials, like some of the ones we'll cover in today's pod, and people will regularly post, why would you want to do that when we're talking about bottle feeding or just feed them for God's sake when someone is asked about settling their baby without a feed. It makes us sad that people still feel so righteous to comment about another person's feeding experience without knowing any other details. And the details are the important bit. So let's answer some of your questions about feeding your baby, full details included. First of all, this is a question we regularly get asked through socials on email and often one of the big reasons people get in touch with Sarah for a one-to-one. So here's Emma with her question about helping her baby to take a bottle. Hi, Kat and Sarah. Um, I was just wondering, I cannot get my baby to take a bottle. Um, I've tried probably every bottle under the sun. I've spent a fortune on really expensive bottles. I bought really cheap bottles because um, some people say that actually the cheaper bottles are better. Um, I've tried getting her to take a bottle from my husband. She won't do that from my parents literally just won't take a bottle from anybody um and she literally feeds constantly all night um she just snacks she's a total snacker um, and it's just really exhausting and also obviously at some point I need to go back to work and I just don't know I just can't imagine her ever taking a bottle and I'm just wondering if you had any ideas or advice on um if there's anything that I could try or what I could do Thank you. Oh, I feel her pain and her tiredness. Oh, no. Yeah, definitely. So she has done the right thing, trying a few different bottles, and she's absolutely right. The cheap ones are as good as the expensive ones. But you do also want consistency, which is one of our magic words. What are the tips and tricks for helping baby to take a bottle from someone else? I mean, these sort of hints and tips apply to both mum and other people. But I would say, you know, if possible, start the process of offering the bottle with someone else. So, you know, if if you're in a position where you're the only person that can do it, then that's absolutely fine. But stick someone else's jumper on so that the baby can't smell your milk as soon as you go near them. Um, And if you are in a position where somebody else can offer the bottle, then go for that option. Stay calm. It's really, really important to stay calm. You know, it can be so frustrating. You can be getting upset. You can be getting a little bit annoyed. If you feel like you're getting to that point, whether it's dad, granny, auntie, uncle, next door neighbor, hand the baby back to somebody else to have a go. There's no point in persevering if you've got to the point where you're getting frustrated. And think outside the box. A lot of people assume that, you know, breastfed babies are going to take a bottle in the 
position that they feed in. So if you're feeding in cross cradle, that's naturally the position that people offer the bottle. That's and the actually natural image you think of a baby in your arms. Exactly. That's the cross cradle. Bottles don't always work as well in that way. No, absolutely. Just might not work for baby. You know, you want to try different things. So um lie a pillow on your knees and face baby away from you so that their back's actually against your tummy and then you're coming into the baby's mouth at a right angle so you're putting your arm across the baby and coming into the baby's mouth that way um, and be prepared to get on your feet and work your leg muscles I have done thousands of squats in my time of trying to get babies to take bottles it's such a weird thing it's when I was trying to do to get my son to take a bottle I find that so funny that you kind of had to do a wee dance to to get a wee bit of milk on their tongue to to kind of get them into it so it's almost like you do the work for them to encourage them to start doing the work of the suck yep absolutely so you're triggering all the reflexes to get that suck going and um, you know but by bouncing up and down essentially when you're doing your sports you're bouncing up and down you're relaxing baby and then they start to suck and also you don't need to hold your baby if you've got access to a bouncy chair or a car seat you can use those or position them safely sort of bolstered up with pillows as long as you know you're staying with them making it safe and offering the bottle then that's fine that works for if you're starting out bottle feeding Mm -hmm. From the outset but also if you are transitioning from breastfeeding to bottle feeding I guess because it just makes it feel different for a baby as well. Yep definitely and the other thing is especially if you're transitioning from the breast to the bottle you know make the milk warm. A baby who's been used to nice cozy breast milk isn't going to take a room temperature or straight from the fridge bottle. It's not yep. going to happen so warm your breast milk up safely or prepare the formula at the correct temperature. I think it's also worth saying it can be hard. It can be a process. It does, doesn't just happen overnight. You kind of need to persevere with it Absolutely. over a period of time and don't be yeah. despondent if it doesn't work no. immediately. And again, you know, that is coming back to the consistency. Once you've chosen your time that you are offering your bottle, be consistent with that. Our next question is both a feeding question and a settling question. Babies wake through the night for reasons other than hunger. And when they're a little bit older, you might start to think about different ways to settle them. That said, you may still choose to feed them simply for comfort for you and for them. But that can become really exhausting and overwhelming if it's the only way you know how to settle them. This is in many ways why I first contacted Sarah in the first place when I was up every hour of almost every night with my daughter. I was not coping and that is plenty a good enough reason to ask the question. Here Hannah asks what I did, how do I settle my baby without feeding? Hey Kat and Sarah, I hear people saying that they can settle their baby in their cot without feeding but nothing I do seems to work so I end up lifting and feeding anyway. What am I doing wrong? Oh my goodness that that was me, <laughs> literally feeding every 45 minutes. <laughs> And none of you are doing anything wrong. It's again, it's this belief that, you know, as new mums, you're all meant to know exactly what you're doing. And you hear people talking about how their baby just drifts off to sleep perfectly. And you immediately think that you're doing it wrong. None of you are wrong. You're doing what you need to do at the moment. And that's fine. But then equally, it's okay that you're now ready to change that. 
So in the case of feeling like you're always just falling back on the lifting and feeding, this is where you know the the sort of routine and the consistency really come into play. So once you've decided on your routine, um, you know your bedtime routine, but also your settling techniques that's when you have to follow it through and it's not going to happen first time you know you really are looking at using these techniques for every nap time and every settle and resettle throughout the night for a good three to five days in your case hannah where you're actually lifting and feeding if you have got a partner who's at home that can do this then that's the, the way to do it you know hand them over to somebody else to do it so that you're not you haven't got that um breastfeeding bond with them I remember a top tip you gave me um, for me to wear a sweater or a t-shirt that belonged to my partner and that meant that I didn't smell so strongly <laughs> to my yeah, baby. Definitely, yeah. So sort of try and mask the smell of your milk and that'll, it actually helps both. It helps mum and baby because you feel less like you're attracting the baby and the baby can't smell you as there's much. there's such so. an emotional component to it as well. Uh-huh. Definitely. Oh, I mean, when you're standing over a cot and your boobs are leaking because your baby's crying because they're used to getting fed, it is horrific. It really is. And we're not downplaying that at all. But at the point when you decide that you want to put these techniques in place, it's because you're ready and that's what you've got to focus on, both for you and baby. You know, if you're at the point where you're ready to not be feeding to resettle, then babies at the point where they really want to be going straight back to sleep. They don't want to be awake. They don't want to be up. And so again, it comes back to having that really tight routine that you follow through each and every time and they do settle in the cot. I think there's a lot of guilt about putting your baby's needs before absolutely everything, which can end up sort of breaking you and you feel like I should be doing these things they're they're crying for me they need me my boobs are leaking it makes sense to do those things but actually you know it's a hard thing to get through but if you can when you do you get both get more sleep and everyone feels better definitely you know and it's it is very easy to um fall into that um, sort of emotional trap of thinking well I am doing what my baby needs because yeah you know all babies need fed and of course all babies need fed actually all babies need sleep as well and, and obviously that goes for bottle feeding too it's not just a, a breastfeeding no. thing because you're you're a parent whatever and you want to fulfill your baby's needs mm-hmm. even if there's not a physical component yep. there's always an emotional component One of our frustrations and Sarah's bugbears is that there is a lot of incomplete sleep information out there, which can leave parents feeling a little bit stranded. Sleep is not linear in babies' wee lives and it changes hugely in the first few years. So something that works when baby is a few months old will often not work when they are eight or nine months. Here, Alison asks what she should do after introducing a dream feed. Hi Sarah and Kat, my baby boy is 12 weeks old. He was born at 37 plus 2. I was having growth scans because he was smaller. When he was born he was £5.7 but he's put on weight steadily. He was going from 8pm till 4am having a feed and then back down till 7am. I'd heard you should do a late feed so I started waking and feeding him at 11pm in the hope that he would go down to 7am. It's not worked and he's still waking at 4am looking for a feed. He's now at also started waking earlier so he's now waking at 6am not looking to be fed but wanting to get up not sure if I should bother with the 11pm feed or if I should try and cut the night feed 
any suggestions would be great. Thank you. That's a brilliant question um, and one that, again, we have sort of covered in the podcast on on social media. The dream feed or, you know, waking to feed is it's it's excellent if it's required. And in your case, obviously, you know, your baby was born small. You um, needed to give them that little bit of extra help to gain weight. And that's absolutely fantastic. You've managed that. Weight gain's really good. The problem with the kind of dream feed and waking to feed over time is that you know it then becomes disruptive to their natural sleep pattern so what's happening now is you know you're waking him to have that feed but he's still waking at his natural time so yeah the first thing that I would do is cut the dream feed you've said that weight gain's good so that's really important you're getting all your feeds into the daytime hours which is brilliant so cut out the dream feed and then think about that first wake up now if he's waking up, he's only 11 weeks old, so if he's waking up at 4am and he's having a quick quick feed and he is settling again until 6 o'clock, that is actually really good. You know, that's one night feed at 11 weeks old. That's fantastic. And as we've said, 6am, that is morning time. That's it's the early end of morning time, but it is morning time. So, you know, you could run with that. If you feel like he's having that four o'clock feed and then he's not ready for a feed when he's waking up, then what you could do is just spend a little bit of time trying to resettle him at four o'clock. If it doesn't work, then you know that you do still need to feed him. But you can give yourself that little window to resettle and see what happens. Could you not also do the feed at four if he then wakes at six? not feed him until the time you'd like to start your day, i.e. seven. Um, so, you know, have it, keep it chill, maybe read some stories and things like that. But then you're kind of creating that morning habit. that, And then ultimately when he does drop that night feed or the 4 a.m. feed, that it might be more likely that he'll go until seven because, you know, you've created that habit, if you like, yep. of the morning feed. Absolutely. I mean, you definitely don't want to go over the three hours at this stage, especially mm-hmm. given that he was smaller. So, you know, if he's woken up four and you fed him, then yeah, you would be aiming to feed at seven at the latest anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest, if he wakes up at six, by the time you've got him up, changed his nappy, had a bit of a cuddle, done all those sorts of things, you'll be getting towards the kind of half six mark anyway. So then if he is happy, then you can just play with him. But equally, you know, based on the fact that he has gone all night or gone to the point of four o'clock in the morning, it's it's absolutely fine to be feeding him again because he will be hungry. Mm-hmm. It can be really hard though, and I kind of hear that in Alison's voice, that, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to know what to do because you do, you go and you read these things. And I remember trying a dream feed as well. And, you know, then you're like, ah, what have I done? And it does work for some people. And in some circumstances, it is is appropriate. But you can also then just add in an extra wake up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it can. I mean, I do think, obviously, in this situation where you said birth weight was low, it 100% is the right thing. You know, you do need to focus on getting the birth weight up and having consistent weight gain. So, you know, it is really important to do that. But I think, yeah, it is that danger with the dream feed of just not knowing when to stop it. And it is obviously, you know, in this case, if he's still waking up at the same time, then you know that that dream feed is actually just an additional feed now and it is disrupting his natural sleep pattern. So what you might find the first couple of nights that you stop it is that he does wake up later than the dream feed, but earlier than the four o'clock feed. 
and then takes a feed and then maybe waits again around about the six o'clock mark. So it might disrupt things slightly for a couple of nights, but then that'll settle as his body clock gets back used to what his natural pattern is. Cool. And then I guess, you know, as it get as it gets a wee bit bigger, you can think a bit more about the settling techniques. Um and I mean it sounds like she and he are doing brilliantly. Yeah, definitely. You're doing fantastically. Another one we're asked about regularly, especially uh, on our social channels and during Sleep Club, is night weaning. We all have different family setups in terms of how and where we all sleep, as we discussed in our recent co-sleeping episode. So in our final listener question, Lynn asks whether she can night wean her baby when they're still sharing a room. Hi Kat and Sarah, my baby's still in a room. Can I still wean them from night feeds? That's a great question, actually, and one that we do come across quite a lot. And it works both ways. You know, for some people, they are saying that they don't want to move baby out of their room until they're night weaned. And others are saying that they want to keep baby, but they're scared to night wean because they're in the room. So the first thing that I would recommend would just be to start putting a little bit of distance between yourself and baby so if you've been using like a next to me crib then just gradually start to move that away from the bed you know it could initially just be like a foot away from the bed and then a little bit further or if you've got a walk-in wardrobe or an ensuite then you can use that to put the baby into so they're still close to you they're still in your room but you're just putting that little bit of distance between you I guess as well, a bit like we were talking about wearing a t-shirt or a jumper of your partner's uh, for night weaning. You can also sort of do that by just move, literally moving to the other side of the bed or swapping places with your partner if you have a partner or just moving away if you don't. And just that tiny bit of space, if you've got the cot close to the bed, can make a big difference. It seems crazy that, you know, a couple of meters might make a difference, but it can. It definitely can. And then, you know, again, just try and keep all the rules in your head. So even though baby is right there, still just stop, listen to the sounds, think about what they're doing. If you can see into the crib, then obviously have a little look without baby being too stimulated. So you're just really following all the exactly the same rules that we've talked about for the evenings and the overnights. If they're not in your room, you just want to be using them. So it can feel a little bit alien, lying in your bed, not moving because you don't want to disturb baby but just try that you know just sort of count in your head just lie very still and count in your head and then at the point when you think okay something's changed you know the cries changed or they're wriggling about a bit too much and you just want to have a wee check then do that the only other thing to think about as well when you are moving the cot is depending on the layout of your room you obviously don't want to be popping a cot right in front of a window or you know then obvious choice if you've got a room that has a bay window you think oh we'll just pop baby over there but actually that can get quite drafty so just be again just be very wary of your environment when you're moving the cot around. Sarah and I have had totally different feeding experiences with each of our babies meaning we have breast, bottle, combination fed, done so on demand and on a schedule, we have dealt with mastitis, block ducks, tongue ties and engorgement. We've also dealt with disgusted looks for bottle and breastfeeding in public. Horrible comments like, just feed the poor child and you know it's free if you breastfeed. That's just us personally. Professionally, Sarah has helped thousands of families and quite literally seen it all. We don't like batting about cliches like fed is best because it's so reductive, like any parent doesn't actually know that. 
informed and supported are best, whatever that may be for you. So we hope this podcast has given you some tips that you might not have known. And as always, that you feel supported. Look after yourself and sleep soon.